explores everything you need to know to be financially successful in college and beyond. Today, we have a special episode that is actually a recording of a live event that we had a week ago at UNT. We have a panel of six area entrepreneurs, two students, and four outside professionals who came to UNT to share their stories and to answer questions from students about entrepreneurship. Since it was live, it's going to have some of the things that go along with a live recording, you know, audience laughter, sounds of sometimes people walking in and out or rustling things, but please bear with us through some of those little audio difficulties because I think these entrepreneurs have some really awesome things to share with you today. Hope you enjoy. For each of you, how did you find the idea or decide on the idea that was going to be your business? When we moved to Fort Worth 11, I was here 12 years ago, my husband had retired from his job and he came down thinking he was going to do some legal work, because he was, he's an attorney, and looked around and found out that people don't like to hire people with white hair. So a friend of ours had a friend from Colorado who came and told us about Primerica. And I said, Bruce, you need to come back and talk to my husband when he gets back down here, because I think this would be a good thing for him to do. You know, just him to do. Well, Joe went to work for Primerica, he fell in love with it. And I started part-time with him and I was still working full-time at BNSF Railways. And I hated every minute of somebody telling me when I had to go to the bathroom, I had to clock out on the telephone, when I had to clock back in on the telephone. So in 2010, Joe came to pick me up from work one day and he said, I need you to come work with me. And I looked at him and I said, you want me to quit my job? And he said, yes, and I went, praise God, <laughs> I am out of here. And I went and told my boss that I was quitting, and they didn't believe me. But I left my job at BNSF where I was making $50,000 a year, and I went to work with Joe, and I have never looked back. I love it. I wouldn't do anything else. We help middle-income middle families, and I just love it. You fall in love with something that makes you, your heart patter when you think about it. That's where your passion comes from. And when your passion comes, that's when you love what you do. And it becomes not work. It becomes a fun thing for you to do. All right. For me, uh, the, way, the way I got started kind of like I was I was in you guys position I was a college student I had just graduated um, and it was accounting I went for school went to school for accounting I got out and I said you know let me go out there and look in corporate America get a job figure out everything um, and one thing that I continued to hear over and over and over again was uh, I needed experience for an entry-level position that didn't make sense to me. Uh, so after <laughs> after a, after a few times of hearing that, uh, I decided, you know what, forget it. I'm going to do it myself. Um, so my business actually started uh, as a bookkeeping business, and I went around and my niche was food trucks at the time. Uh, food trucks at the time were you know getting big. Uh, that whole industry was was blowing up. And I, what I found was uh, food trucks. They had a passion for cooking. They had a passion for serving food. That was their thing, but a lot of times they're behind the behind the scenes books. 
they were lacking. So I would go to event after event and pass out my business cards, and it actually, you know, it worked. And I and that was my first taste of success of, hey, I could do this myself. From then on, I really never looked back uh, because from then on, I, you know, any kind of idea that I thought of and I, you know, had the passion to complete, that's what I was going to do. So, you know, from there, my business kind of grew. I decided that I did not want to just focus mere, just, just on the accounting portion of it, the bookkeeping portion of it. I wanted to help people such as myself figure out how to navigate the entrepreneurial world and become uh, a business for themselves. So I expanded my, my services to include uh, things such as, you know, like I said, business filing and business planning and coaching and things of, that, things of that sort to help people in the same situation that I was in create their own businesses. Musicians and artists have to be entrepreneurs out of necessity. Uh, so just a little bit of background. I know we have one musician in here, uh, but I went to a uh, top tier conservatory uh, in the in the north, uh, where we're really only taught our craft. It can be likened more to a vocational school. And I studied opera, right? Which how many of you have actually been to an opera? Be honest. Okay, all right, not so bad, but. You know, uh, tens of thousands of us get trained every year for very little opportunity. Uh, opportunity. So, sorry, I just realized. Um, so I left school fearful because on paper I have no other skills other than I can sing real pretty, right? Uh, so we, we go through school knowing that we will inevitably teach until maybe we hit it big, right? But as, especially post-2008 and how... Um, arts companies are, are, are funded and struggling, that future that we hope to attain looks grimmer and grimmer. So I moved back to Texas because I'm from here and knew that there are tons of children uh, and there are parents who had money uh, who invest in their children to excel in choir or competitive theater, right? So I came back here knowing that I would find students. And so that's what I did and we built our studio but going forward, I'm very interested in the intersection of music entrepreneurship and social entrepreneurship um, and finding ways to use music and the art form and especially the classical music art form to kind of meet some of those greater social needs. Um, I have a lot of peers in the Dallas area who are starting to do that. My husband and I are starting to do that. But I think what's hard with arts especially is, especially the classical arts, is reconciling audience and, um, and kind of artistic merit. Uh, and that's something that I'm very interested in and that is why I have ended up here at MT. So my entrepreneur, sorry, my entrepreneurial story, um, I, I guess the idea for starting, uh, my, my business. So back in 2000 and around 2013 or so, I was getting an itch, right? Um, at the time, I was working, living in Fort Worth, working in Dallas um, at an ad agency. That was kind of my, my background, working for this digital marketing agency, and I loved it. I loved my job, loved the people that I worked with, career was going well, I was growing in this company, everything was great. At the same time, I've always kind of had entrepreneurial tendencies. Ever since I was uh, elementary school and high school, I was selling things. I was selling, my first, as a fourth grade, I was selling bookmarks, so... So bookmarks to my class. 
high school. This is like around like the early two thousands. CD burners came out. I'm selling CDs. I was selling all sorts of things. Right? I mean, not all sorts of things, but um, <laughs> there was a lot of opportunity. At, um, and I saw it, and I, I looked at my classmates as a market. And in 2013, that, that itch it came back really, really strong. And at the time, I'm commuting from Dallas. I'm sorry, from Fort Worth to Dallas every day to go to work. And I was going to this barber shop that was in Dallas. It was actually in the office building downtown that I worked in. It was cool. It was fine. Like it was, it was, I got a good haircut. Guys were nice. It was a, it was a good enough experience. And then one day, the guy, he raised his, his prices up pretty significantly. And I probably could have afforded to continue to go to him, but that kind of sparked something in my head. I was like, there's got to be a barbershop in Fort Worth. Because at the time, my life was kind of happening in Fort Worth, but I was working in the daytime in Dallas. I was like, man, there's got to be something. So I started looking around a lot. So at the time... I'm working in this digital marketing space. I'm helping brands gain positioning online and understand, you know, how they communicate with their with their with their target markets online. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm looking for this project. It's it can't be found. I can't find it in Fort Worth. And Fort Worth is a, is a decent sized city. We're now the 15th largest city in the nation. People don't know that, right? <laughs> but um, at the time, there wasn't a barbershop that I wanted that I wanted to go to as a consumer. So I started looking online on YouTube, doing research, and looking at what the barbershop scene was like in LA and in New York and overseas in the UK and Paris. Like what, what, what were people doing in, in, on the barbershop scene? And I was seeing all these really, really cool shops. I'm like, if we had that in Fort Worth, Texas, I think that people would want to come to a place like this, right? Um, and so I started putting together a business plan, driving around town, looking for a location. I came across this old brick building with these garage doors and I said, man, it'd be so dope to like have a barbershop in here and open up garage doors and the weather's nice. And a few months later, I hit the ground running and opened up Fort Worth Barbershop. Um, and since then, the community has been um, great, great to us. Um, and my, my thesis worked, which was that, I, I hate to tell like if you build it, they will come. But a lot of times when you look around, you can, there's voids market and at that time in that moment there was a board and so we did and we still today are day to day trying to try to fill that up that space my uh my entrepreneurial uh, stories a little more um i wouldn't say it kind of just like happened most of my life i, I thought i was going to be a basketball player you know my brother being c7 and Doctors lying to me saying that I was going to be an inch and a half taller. <laughs> Everything going on, it, it led me, it had me thinking that I was going to be a, a basketball player, like a professional basketball player. But eventually, uh, senior year, you know, it came, and um, I just had a change of heart, you know, just sitting down talking to my mom, and, you know, she was like the main driving factor and allowed me to see that there's more to life than just, you know, sports, and you got to have a plan B, so. With that being said, I you know, I came to UNT. At UNT, um, going through school, you know, my mind's half there, still reminiscing on whether I should be playing with my friends at certain universities and whatnot. But I was like, you know what? I'm here. You know, God brought me here for a reason. Let me just stick it out and see what He has. So yeah, I'd say about about two and a half years ago, around March, I was just in my room and I was doing some stats on it, and I just got to the point I was like, man, I'm doing all this work to get a piece of paper, to go, you know, present myself to other owners, to do more work for them. So it's just like an ongoing cycle of work, work, working for somebody. 
And it's not necessarily about working. It's just about being drained, you know, like not being able to do what you want, feeling limited, feeling like you can, there's more to you than just this certain position that I'm at. And that moment, I just, you know, I, I thought to myself, I was like, I want to have control of my destiny. I want to do something and not only do something, but do something that could be impactful, that could leave my legacy. Just start thinking about different ideas and just have it. It's not as, you know, as... Well, I will say entrepreneurship is in my DNA. I grew up in a single-parent home, and my mother always had a plan A, B, and C. So you could not live in that home without a plan A, B, and C. So she uh, inspired me. Watching her take care of four children by herself, working, and always having something on the side. She always had where she was sewing. She made my wedding dress my first wedding. She did all this. She could walk in a room and just picture something. So me, myself, I thought I wanted to go to school to be an accountant. Well, that didn't happen. God chose me to be a nurse. I love being a nurse. But also being a nurse, you are limited, and they're, they're going to kill me for this. But you're a slave. You were told when you can go, like she was saying, to the bathroom, what, 12-hour shifts, you might get a 30-minute lunch. You are so disrespected. You're another number. And when you work in a hospital system, you are just a nurse. And I'm quite sure many of you in here felt that you're in something, and God has a bigger plan for you. There's something that I need to be doing, and that I found it. My purpose is to inspire, encourage, and motivate other entrepreneurs. I've taught CPR. I've been a legal nurse consultant. I've attempted to open up, well, I didn't attempt, I did it. I opened up a residential care home all by myself. With that being said, what I found out as far as entrepreneurship, it takes partnerships. It takes partnerships to survive, and it takes partnerships to be able to grow. And being able to connect with people that encourage you, and they may have a strength where you have a weakness. So you don't need to focus on your weaknesses. You need to find those that are strong in that department and partner with them. So entrepreneurship is about connecting with others and continue to inspire and motivate yourself so you can inspire and motivate others. So entrepreneurship, my DNA. <laughs> Thank you. Now, I know you all came to entrepreneurship at kind of a different point in time in your lives, but Carson and Stephen, you both chose to start pursuing this as you were still students. So what benefits have you gotten from doing this while you're still a student versus waiting until after you, you have the degree, you have a piece of paper that says I know how to do something? The benefits are, honestly, I'd say the benefits are, are you guys you know, you guys in college, I mean, social media, word to mouth. I, I started this, I officially started um, by clothing line um, last July. And, you know, over the years, over this past year, I mean, I have so many people, oh man, and, and that's a guy, you know, this, this, and that, oh, when are you, you know? So just being able to be, you know, and I know, you know, it may sound like daunting, you know, due to the fact that you'll have to take care of, your, you know, your business on one spectrum and then your academics and social life and all that. And trust me, it's not easy. But if you love it, you know, you'll, you'll make time for it. And the, the benefits and the rewards and the stuff that comes with it is going to be, you know, it's, it's going to make you forget about all the hours that you're putting in, the, you know, the time and the sacrifices. 
Well, I also love school, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be back here. Uh, but I actually, my music studio and my business actually enabled me to go back to school without having to take on debt, which um, was really important to me, having come out of a school with a lot of it, right? Um, now, we've been able to continue that, and I've also started other endeavors while in school, uh, and it really has to do with what Deandra was talking about, uh, partnerships. Uh, no other time are you going to be surrounded with other people who are eager to start something and go all in with you, mostly because nobody here necessarily has a bunch of stuff, <laughs> you know, like you have a lot to do, but you don't really have anything to lose, right? You're here to find those relationships and find those partnerships that are going to carry you to the next level. The other thing, in addition to partnerships, is resources. As a student, you have so many resources, and this is also my job at in my teaching assistantship, is to help students find resources, but money management resources, um, especially if you're a, a woman. There are TWU has the women's small business grant or micro grants. Um, there are so many different college organizations that are specific to undergraduates trying to start businesses, right? I mean, the second you graduate, you are ineligible, right? So there are a lot of people who really, like, there is money out there for you and there is support and mentorship. There are so many resources available to you. And the second you graduate, aside from alumni services, you are ineligible for those and you don't have the same kind of access. So I know that everyone is so busy, but this is when it has to start. Because what are you gonna do when you graduate? You're just gonna wait? You're gonna wait for a dog? Or, so sorry, job? <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for my dog, he's at home. <laughs> I'd like to just piggyback off of everything that they were saying and just let you guys know that it's, it, starting a business is kind of like learning to walk. Learning to walk, you're gonna fall down. And now is the time to take those falls so that you can get back up before life happens, uh, before kids happen, before uh, you get into uh, you know ha having a house, a mortgage to take care of. Now's the time for all those things happen to go ahead and get your feet wet and get out there and experience what entrepreneurship is like so that you could take the hits and then get back up. The thing I would like to add to that is accountability. Find you some accountability partners that you meet with once a week and hold each other accountable for what you say you're going to do. Because it is so easy to say, nah, I'm not gonna do that. I don't have time to do that. But if you have to go and sit in front of a circle of people that are saying, how are you doing? Did you, did you do what you said you were gonna do last week? And you look at them and go, no. Well, you've just broken the cardinal rule. You've lied to yourself and to your accountability partners. And what good does that do you? It's like telling your parents, I'm studying for my exam, and then you bring home an F. You've lied to both of them. You're wasting your time going to school. You're wasting your parents' time. They would wish you could get out and get a job. So form some accountability partners and mentorships. People that have already built businesses are usually really willing to sit and talk with you. They'll give you ideas. And the last thing I would say is networking. Go to networking events. My life is one big networking event. Because with, until you start meeting people, you can't build that business. It's not a one-person job. You have to get out there and talk to people. And if you're an introvert like my husband is, somebody's got to do it. <laughs> he looks at me and says, that's your job. Go do it. So I do.
And I think for a lot of us who are students, we like the idea of going out and starting now while we have resources in the community. But there's also the fear of, I'm 20 years old, I have no experience, who's going to believe me? How do you, how would you establish credibility? Or maybe Kevin, you can speak to this uh, as a consultant. When you're young, you don't have a lot of experience, but you need people to believe you to make money. For one, I would say it's about your service. Uh, no matter what people tell you, if you provide a good service and you're solving a person's problems, they don't care how old you are. You know, uh, So if you're solving a problem, solve that problem, do it well, have great customer service, and people are not going to care about how what your age is. Uh, you're, you're expressing a certain expertise in a certain area, then, then go all in. Go all in and be that person for them. Um, because at the end of the day, it's really about the, can you do the job and it, are, can they afford you? And that's really all people care about is can you solve this problem for them? So um, if you guys focus on that uh, instead of focusing on maybe your age or anything like that or the experience that you guys have, that's going to take you guys far. And it's going to kind of push that fear back in your mind and just know that, hey, I can do this and I do a good job at what I'm doing. And people are going to take me seriously. There's going to be some times where they don't, but let that roll off and go to the next person because there's a lot of rejection in entrepreneurship, and that's just part of it. And just got to learn how to move past it. So I, to Kevin's point, um, I'd like to use myself as an example. Like I said, I graduated from music school, and all I could do was sing real pretty. Um, but still not at the level of people who were older than me and that had a master's. And I could teach. So... I came back and I taught and I provided a service that people really liked. My reputation grew. Then I could just do it, well, almost essentially full time, right? But then in building that, I have now acquired other skills. So now I'm here on an entrepreneurship panel, which based off of my degrees would never necessarily qualify me to be here. But since I started in one place, you never know where the next step is going to take you. Well, fear is a liar. Fear will hold you back. Fear will, will stop you from doing something. The what ifs. But what my fear is, what if I don't? That's my fear. If I don't take that step forward, if I don't do something, then I'm settling for the same old, same old. So like Sandra was saying, surround yourself with people who say, you know what, it's okay. Now what are we going to do? What's your plan? So... Everybody fails. Nobody wants to fail, but John Maxwell said it's called failing forward. If you're learning a lesson from that failure, then you're learning a lesson and you can take that knowledge that you have so you've already won. You can take that knowledge that you learned from failing forward and use it for your better benefit later on. And you're going to have the naysayers. I have plenty of naysayers in my family, friends. You're a nurse. You make all this money. Why would you want to do Legal shield, why would you want to do a business? You know why I want to do it? Because I have control over my life. I have control over my destiny. So that's why I want to do it. And that's why I'm going to continue to do it. Nothing is going to stop me. I think that one of the characteristics that as an entrepreneur, uh, regardless of what you're doing, that you will have to nurture and grow is your ability to not care what other people think about you and what you're doing. Because, like, not everybody's built for this. And I'll say, like, this I don't, may, may not be popular or not, but, like, being an entrepreneur ain't for everybody, right? Yeah. Whenever you, when you start taking on the challenge of not only looking 
creating a job for yourself, but when you're hiring people and all of a sudden these people are dependent on you and their children eating are dependent on you and their motivations and hopes and dreams are tied to what at one point was just this crazy idea that you had in your head. Sometimes like there's a lot of anxiety that comes with going to sleep at night, making sure like how do how do I get from one day to the next? Not everybody's built for that. And that's okay. That's that's okay also. Um I myself, I love I love the the grittiness of entrepreneurship, um, and that's really the only way to go about it. But if and when you know that you are going to be hung up and stuck on what, whether it be your family or your friends or competition or what people are saying about you or think about you, you can get broke real quick, really, really quick. And I see it happen to people that I know that are successful entrepreneurs that. It hits because a lot of times what we're what we're building are, are things that are personal to us, right? Beyond just being this, you know, this business or thing that you know generates you know income or your your livelihood, it's also your baby. It's personal, and anytime, especially if you do anything that has any level of success tied to it, or even just the semblance of success tied to it, there are going to be haters. There's going to be people things that are coming against you at all times like it you cannot you can't escape that so i think that you know understanding yourself having a certain sense of self-awareness knowing whether or not that's something that you do in fact want to take on and live with and that's the lifestyle that you want to have again it's not for everybody and that's okay it doesn't have to be for everybody but it is inevitable and it's not an overnight process you're gonna have to be patient with yourself you're gonna have to be forgiving of yourself and there are times that, oh my goodness, like he was saying, I enjoy getting up in the morning. I really do, because I don't know what the day is going to hold for me. No day is the same. Some people say, well, what is your day like? Well, it's not the same. It's, that's wonderful, you know. But when I was working in the hospital, it was the same. <laughs> so I love getting up in the morning. I love who I'm going to meet. I love the opportunities that have come before me. And it's all been a great wonderful learning experience so be don't be so hard on yourself and like Sandra was saying again I go back to surrounding yourself with the right people because that saying birds of a feather flock together is uh, the entrepreneur community is really a community that needs to help hold each other up and not step on one another so something you mentioned was the role of failure trying to fail forward and learn something from it do any of you have a particular maybe a favorite failure that's helped in a major business grows stronger? With my uh, residential care home, I was very Googling and studying the Texas Department of Aging and Disability and just trying to do what I could do to make that home successful. But I was doing it by myself. So, of course, when we realized we ran out of funding for the home, and that's, that's to not having the right connections, not getting the right resources, not knowing where to go, not knowing who to talk to, not knowing where to turn. But I learned a tremendous amount of knowledge from failing at that business. And I went through my little depression. And then after that, God said, why are you not talking to your entrepreneur community? I'm like, because it's hard. (laughs) I got to study. I got to do this. I got to do that. And said, after you quit whining, why are you not talking to your entrepreneur community? Because it's hard. Because I don't want to do it. I don't want to take the time. And he said, why 
Are you not talking to your entrepreneur community? And ever since I started saying yes and getting out there and getting the resources and the connections, life has been wonderful. Anybody else want to share a failure? I can. <laughs> so I would say, well, I'm very new to all of this, and all of my endeavors are in beginning stages. So I wouldn't say I've had a emotionally, personally, or really financially devastating failure yet. But I would say um, just maybe less of a failure, more of a weakness is um, implement implementation and, and delegation which is why I'm in school, right, to learn some of these things. But I think it kind of speaks to the whole, you know, partnerships and once again, building your networks of trust here because it is your baby and it's hard to trust people with that, but it won't grow unless it eventually leaves your mind and starts to, to be in the hands of a, of a team and others. So it's, I would say that right now the biggest risk for my, my personal projects do have to do with failure to trust and the risk of not growing as it could. So you guys know about like the clothing industry and how easy something can be a yes, how easy something can be a no. It all depends on the opinions of, all it takes is the opinions of a few, especially, you know, you guys have Twitter, right? All it takes is the opinions of a few people and then boom, you know, it starts trending and before you know it, something that once was a yes is out of style or for example, Fila, you know, you guys know, Eight years ago, it was pretty wild. But now, you know, it's it's huge. So, with that being said, um, for me, because of the fact that I think that you know my clothes, you know, the things I put out, as at least for like you know, just retracing back to the first year, or um, they were subtle, but like they were dope. You know, pretty cool. You know, just, I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I I just I have to always have that belief in myself. But personally, for me, every time I release a product and it doesn't sell out within two weeks. I take that as a failure, you know, just because of the fact that, okay, I'm a perfectionist. I, I want my brand to be as, man, as appealing as possible, you know, to whenever somebody sees it, oh, oh I want to get that. I have to get that. All right, $30, you know, next paycheck there. But so, you know, but the good thing is that that failure, it drives me to, you know, okay, go back to the drawing board. How can I make my stuff more appealing? What, what can I do? Is it, you know, doing embroidery or vinyl or heat pressing? making patches, whatever it is, you know. So I think that failure is one of the most essential things that you have to go through as far as being able to grow because you can't learn something new if you didn't know what you did wrong the first time. So, you know, failure is, is essential. And, and failure, I mean, welcome failure. I, I'd say the biggest thing is to welcome. Don't be discouraged by it. Just be, you know, like, hey, I didn't do something, you know, right the first time. Okay, what can I do better? What can I do to improve? I think failure is one of the most wonderful things in life because the people who win, the people that we all know, the names that we know are not people that weren't ever met with failure. They're people that took it and either grew from it or ignored it, kept it pushing, right? One of my favorite, favorite things. Um, I, I don't know the name of the song. Y'all know that Beyonce song? Um, and it's like an interlude and it's from whenever... They were young on Star uh, Star Search. Yeah. I don't even know Star Search. Like, it was like American Idol back in the day, right? <laughs> so, and the announcer goes, and the runner-up is Girl Talk, which is uh, Beyonce, Destiny Child, the name of the old group. 
And I love that, right? And she put that on that album. She put that on that album for a reason. Like, she's Beyonce. And she's saying, oh, like, I didn't, I didn't always win. You know me as a winner today, but I can't be pushing, right? And I don't know who won that episode of Star Search that day, but what I said, right? Um, and so I think it's, it's, it's a testament to, like, Failure is okay. It's fine. So long as you're not sulking and sitting in it. Yes. People who sit in failure are losers. You know? But the people who are looking at it as an opportunity to win, to get better, to get stronger, to know what doesn't work, yes. I think I think that's where you, where, you, where you find success. Another thing is fear. The fear of failure. How many times did Einstein fail? How many times did Edison fail? How many times did... You fail at something. Not everyone in this room is a genius. You didn't all go through school and make straight A's. There's something you failed at. You're good in math. You might not be so good in PE. I know I wasn't. Still not. (laughs) But you have to go ahead and be afraid and push through it. Because fear is not real. Fear is just a feeling. Push through it. Wallow in it for about five minutes. Straighten up your crown and go do what you're supposed to do. Does your mom and dad tell you to suck it up and go on? I used to tell my kids that. Suck it up, buttercup. (laughs) It's not happening today. So that's exactly what you have to do. And when people tell you no, in our business we go, next. Next. (laughs) There's always somebody else to talk to. Um, I was actually going to relate back to what Jonathan said about not caring, right? This fear, what is, like, what is the fear of failure other than really what other people are going to end up thinking about you and that failure? So really failure is just, failure is just your kind of a perception you put on yourself of what other people are going to think about what's happened. So, I mean, I ha- like I said, I, I haven't had financial devastation yet, which I'm sure that feels like a real failure. I'm sure someday I will, and maybe I'll feel very differently about this subject. But um, I feel like that moment, like entrepreneurship in the end is empowerment, right? That's right. Um, it's just, it's like Deidre keeps saying, taking your own care or taking your own destiny into your own hands, right? Um, and you can't sit and wait for it. You have to go and you have to take it, right? So I feel I had a point and then I kind of lost it. As I <laughs> but um, uh, uh, you know what? I'm gonna. It's gonna come back to me. I'm gonna pass this on to someone. And, uh, <laughs> end of that sentence will come. Once again, that was the first part of our entrepreneur panel. To hear more of the panel, tune in to next week's podcast for part two. If you have any feedback or ideas for the show, you can send them to moneymanagement at unt.edu. If you like the show, please share it with your friends. Thank you all for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful week.